Thank you, David. That was a very beautiful song. I love song that is based upon the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God is powerful, and we can trust that God is trying to bless us and lead us when He reveals His Word to us. Amen? In fact, I'm going to show you something, a, a verse in the Bible that's been really, really touching my heart lately. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. And now pay attention to the Word of God. Pay attention to how clear the Word of God is. He who despises the Word. Now what's very interesting about the word despises, it doesn't just um, mean someone who is intentionally hating upon God's Word. Actually, it can also mean neglecting the Word. Let's continue. He who despises the word of God will be destroyed. God is showing the inevitable outcomes of people who are rejecting his word. His words are words of life. So therefore, to despise that word will ultimately lead to death and destruction. But watch what the rest of the proverb says. But he who fears the what commandment will be what? Rewarded. The Bible teaches what will be the inevitable results of fearing God's commandments. It will lead to reward. Can you say amen to that? And that's why we're here today. We want God to bless us as we keep his Sabbath. Can you say amen to that? Now I'm going to share one other verse with you. And in fact, I'm going to have somebody special read that verse for you. Now where is Tristan? Where is Tristan? Okay. Now uh, Tristan... Is, an, um, is somebody who's been talking to me lately about wanting to be a preacher. So Tristan, can you come up here for a second? Tristan, can you speak into the microphone? So, um, okay, actually, let's try this mic right here. Okay, Tristan, I'm going to need you to read a, a very special Bible verse, but can you say happy Sabbath to everybody? Happy Sabbath. There's a little F in there. <laughs> All right. Tristan, I'm going to need you to read Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I need you to use your strong... You've got to pay attention. You've got to use your strong evangelistic voice, okay? Okay. Okay. Put the mic up here, really close to you. Okay. I want you to read Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Okay, go ahead. Now it came to pass... Okay, verse 28. Verse... Right here, where my, where my index is? Oh, yeah, goes? verse. Yeah. Right there. Okay. Right above my nail. Come to me. You see that? Come to me. All? All... You? You and... And I will give... Hey, let, me, let me try that one more time. <laughs> I'm going to help you out. Watch this. Okay, we're going to take this sermon paper, and I want you just to read right above the line, okay? Starting with verse 28. Let's start again. Come to me. Okay. All? And all who labor are heavy. And then... And I will give you rest. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Thank you so much, Tristan. I really appreciate that. 
I see a great future for that young man right there. He's one of the most mischievous boys in this church. But everyone loves him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we go any further, why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer and let's ask the Holy Spirit to invigorate us through his word. Father, thank you so much again for the blessings of the Sabbath, Lord. You said he who fears the commandment, who gives respect to your commandments, will be rewarded. And Lord, we know that, as David said earlier, you want our best in everything. And so, God, we pray that you would bless us as we are worshiping you, as we are praising your holy name. Send the Holy Spirit, Lord, to give us the present blessing. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming out to this presentation. It's called Unlocking the Bible's End Time Mysteries. End Time what? Living. End Time Living. And just a reminder that tonight there's going to be another message. And this power clicker is not working. So, Okay. There's another special message tonight, and it's entitled, America in Bible Prophecy. And if you want to find out where America is in Bible Prophecy, do not miss tonight's presentation. That's tonight, dinner's at 6.15, and the presentation actually starts at 7.15. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to know about the times that we are living in. Can you say amen to that? These are so special times that as we just read the newspaper and we're reading different articles and we can see the world events all around us, ladies and gentlemen, it, com it becomes very apparent that we are living at very dangerous times. Very dangerous times. And you need to understand what Bible prophecy is saying about these times. Because the Bible teaches that these dangerous times, God is going to be doing something special on behalf of his people. Can you say amen to that? So make sure that you come on out tonight and find out about America in Bible prophecy. This very land in Bible prophecy, and that's tonight. And we're also going to be covering the mark of the beast revealed. So make sure you are there for tonight's presentation. And then tomorrow night we're going to cover how Egypt proved the Bible to be true. This next week is the remainder of our evangelistic series. So make sure you clear your schedule. You're there tonight, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning, and Saturday night. And that's the end of tonight's, um, or the um, unlock, there we go. Praise the Lord. Okay, we'll get that hooked up in just a second. Unlocking the Bible's end time mysteries. So make sure your calendar is clear for that, ladies and gentlemen. We know that we have these very special truths, and God wants us to share these very special truths. Last night, we learned about the Sabbath commandment. We learned that the Antichrist is somebody who hates God's law. That's why the Bible says he's called the what? Lawless one. Daniel chapter 7 says he thinks to change times and law. The Antichrist has a big problem with God's law. But do you know who is the, the instigator behind the Antichrist power? Ladies and gentlemen, it is none other than Satan. The Bible teaches us that the dragon gives power to this Antichrist power. So we understand from Bible prophecy that Satan is the real one who has a problem with God's law. In fact, take your Bible, go to 1 John chapter 3. I touched on this point, but I want to touch on it one more time. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John is the, 
is just a couple books before, three books before the book of, or four books before the book of Revelation. We're going to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, let's start with verse 4. 1 John chapter 3 with verse 4. Are we all there, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, now let's see what the Bible says. Whoever commits sin also commits what? Lawlessness. Now watch what else the Bible says. And sin is what? According to the scriptures, what is the definition of sin, ladies and gentlemen? It is lawlessness. And what is lawlessness? It is the breaking of what? God's law. Now let's look again one more time at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And look again at verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits what? Lawlessness. And sin is what? Sin is what? Lawlessness. Make sure you understand that. We have a working definition for what sin is. Now go a few verses later, go to verse 7, okay? Now don't forget that definition of the word sin. Little children, let no one what? Deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now watch what it says. He who what? Sins is of the devil for the devil has what from the beginning? Sinned from the beginning. Here, 1 John is pointing us back to the devil's rebellion that took place where, ladies and gentlemen? In heaven. The Bible actually uses the verb sin. Now, we just had a working definition for the word sin. What is that working definition? Lawlessness or the breaking of God's law. So, hence, we understand something that the devil broke what in heaven, ladies and gentlemen? He broke the law that exists in heaven. So number one, we understand that there is a law in heaven. If there is sin that can take place in heaven, that means there is a law that is in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, and that is God's perfect law of love. Can you say amen to that? In fact, the Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 11 that there is a heavenly ark. And what was inside the ark that was on earth, ladies and gentlemen? It was the what? Ten Commandments. So hence again we understand that there is a law in heaven. And this law was violated by Lucifer. He has a big problem with God's law of love. Hence he has taken that battle to earth and he has caused a worldwide deception when it comes to God's law. When it comes to God's law. And so God wants us to understand his law like never before, ladies and gentlemen. I guess we're missing the clicker so when I go like this, this is the time to click. Okay? Now let's see what C.S. Lewis says right here. He says this. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. Can we say amen to that? I mean, if Christianity is false, if the, the Bible is actually wrong, if it's false, if it's an error, then it's of no importance to, to us. Can you say amen to that? We want to be intelligent about what we believe in or we accept. So if Christianity is absolutely false, then it's of no importance to us. Then watch what else he says. And if true of infinite what? Importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand. If the Bible is real, if this whole thing about Jesus and God and sin is actually real, then it's of infinite, infinite Importance to every man, woman, and child. Can you say amen to that? God doesn't want us to be half-hearted in this thing, ladies and gentlemen. If this is really real, 
then we need to throw our hearts and our minds into this. Can you say amen to that? This is why the Bible is so important. God is trying to reveal these things to us that are infinitely important. Now, when we take a good look at Scripture, we can see that throughout Scripture, the theme of controversy has always been about worship. From the very beginning, when you look at the story of Cain and Abel, you see somebody who turned against his brother because of worship. And what did he do? He killed his brother and he was given a... Mark, at the very end in the book of Revelation, we see this taking place on a macro scale. We see a whole bunch of people turning against their supposed brothers and sisters and seeking to kill them. And the Bible teaches that the wicked are given a mark. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout the entire scripture, we can see that the the theme of controversy has been about worship has been about worship. Take your Bible. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 7. Let's see what the Bible says here. Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 7. Revelation 12, verse 7, page 1182. Are we all there? Last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 7. See what the Bible says right here. And war broke out where? In heaven. We discovered that the rebellion of Lucifer was braced upon the breaking of what in heaven, ladies and gentlemen? God's law. Now, war broke out in heaven about the character of a God, who God was. In fact, look what the rest of the scripture says. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the who? Dragon and the dragon as angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. The war that took place in heaven is the war behind all other wars. It's the war behind all other wars. Now watch where this war migrates. Watch where this war migrates. Go to the end of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Take a good look at verse 17. Verse 17. Now watch what the Bible says right here. And the dragon, and the who? Dragon was what? Enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her what? Offspring who keep the what? Commandments of God and have the what? Testimony of who? Jesus. Now pay attention to this. The devil begins to change his his target and he begins to go after who, ladies and gentlemen? The people of God who what? Are identified by two different things. They keep the commandments of who? God and have the testimony of who? Jesus. Now I want you to pay attention to this. The Bible doesn't say that the devil is enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who kind of keep the commandments of God. Is that what the scripture says? No, the Bible doesn't say in Revelation 12, verse 17, that the dragon was angry with the woman or enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God sometime. Is that what the scripture says? No, the Bible's making it very clear that the people that the devil has a problem with are those who are actually presently keeping the commandments of God. This isn't a sort of keeping or a kind of keeping or an almost keeping. The Bible is very emphatic. These people are keeping the commandments of God. Now, why is it that the devil has a big problem with that? 
Take your Bible, go to John, or go to John chapter 15. Praise the Lord, there it is. Look what the Bible says right here. This is Jesus speaking. If you keep my what? Commandments, you will abide where? In my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Ladies and gentlemen, did Jesus keep the Ten Commandments, yes or no? Absolutely, you can see from Scripture. Now watch what he says. Just as I've kept my Father's commandment and what? Abide in his what? Love. First John says this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. So this is extremely important for us to understand. Jesus was somebody who was keeping the what? Commandments of God. So when the devil has a problem with the people of God at the end of time, you want to know why? Because he's seeing Jesus in the people. Jesus was somebody who was keeping the commandments of God. He was following God's law. And so the devil says, wait a minute, I don't like these people because they're just like Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand something very, very important. And that is, God is calling his people to follow his law. Can you say amen to that? And through the power of the, of the Holy Spirit, this is possible. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the connection word, I will send the helper. In other words, when Jesus tells you to keep the commandments, he's saying, don't do it on your own. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to do that. Can you say amen to that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to keep his word and to keep his law. Let's continue with this. Take your Bible and let's go to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. We're going to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We are seeing a great controversy about the law of God. We can see that the devil is enraged about the law of God, and his partner in crime is none other than the Antichrist, the lawless one, the one who is seeking to change times and laws. And if you were here last week, you would know who the Antichrist power is. Keep coming to these meetings, and we're going to understand how this Antichrist is going to play a part in the future. But here we begin to understand something about Scripture, and that is that the devil has a big problem with the law of God. He sees Jesus in the law of God. He sees Jesus in the law of God. The whole world right now is in a controversy about the law of God and the law of man. But as we near closer and closer to the end of time, this conflict will increase even more in magnitude and intensity and the law of God will be right next to the law of man and ladies and gentlemen the decisions you make today will determine the outcome in the future the decisions you make today will determine the outcome in the future God has given us something very special in the Ten Commandments, something that links the first four commandments with the last six, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. We notice from Scripture that the first four commandments are about who? God. And the last six are about who? Mankind. But what do you see in the Sabbath commandment? You find a commandment that's about God, and you find a commandment that's about mankind. It is the bridge between the first four and the last six. And God wants us to understand more and more about the Sabbath. More and more about the Sabbath. Now take your Bible. Let's begin to understand some things about the Sabbath. Let's understand some things about the Sabbath. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I go like this, this is a sign. Change the thing. Is it not working? I go like this, this. Okay. Right hand pointing to my head means change. 
That work? Okay. I apologize. I appreciate you guys working hard up there. So I also apologize for the frustration. Just act like Anel is just thinking. Okay? Okay. We're going to, let's switch again to the next, next slide. Next slide. All right, let's click on that one more time. Okay, Mark chapter 2, verse 24. We begin to understand something about the Sabbath commandment. God is intending the Sabbath commandment for who, ladies and gentlemen? Well, look what the Bible says. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for who? Man, so what was God's purpose in creating the Sabbath, ladies and gentlemen? It was made for mankind. It was made for mankind. That's the switch right there. There it is. Exodus 31, verse 17. Watch what else the Bible says. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested, and he was what? Refreshed. We understand from Scripture that the Sabbath is made for mankind, and it refreshes God. And not only refreshes God, it also refreshes his people. Watch what Exodus 23, verse 12 says. Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and that the son of your female servant and the stranger may be what? Refreshed. God is intending that the Sabbath commandment is to be a blessing for his people and even for those who don't know him. So your Sabbath keeping is a witness for those who don't know him. Can you say amen to that? Well, what does the word refreshed mean? It's very interesting. It's a word in the fall, which means to take a breath or to take in a breath. So after breathing, when you're running and you're, you're constantly breathing out, to take in a breath means that you are rejuvenating, you are regenerating, you are recuperating, ladies and gentlemen. So the Sabbath commandment, God gives it for the very intention of rejuvenating your hearts and your minds. Can you say amen to that? The Sabbath is made for you, ladies and gentlemen. The Sabbath is made for you. How do I experience the Sabbath rest? A question that comes up by so many people. What are the do's and the don'ts? Ladies and gentlemen, we want to avoid being Pharisees and Sadducees. Amen? We want to follow what the Scripture teaches. Can you say amen to that? Let's follow what the Scripture teaches. All right. Now take your Bible. Let's go to the book of... Mark chapter 2, verse 28. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the what? So the first principle in keeping the Sabbath, in recognizing God's holy day, is to realize that this is whose holy day? It's not my holy day, it's whose holy day? It's God's holy day. Ladies and gentlemen, the Sabbath is for us, but it's about Jesus. The Sabbath is about Jesus, it's not about me. Can you say amen to that? If the Sabbath was about me, it would only lead to selfishness, it would only lead to darkness, and eventually I wouldn't want to keep it. But the Sabbath is about who, ladies and gentlemen? It's about Jesus. That's why it's called His Holy Day. Well, how do we keep it? Let's, let's take a good look at Exodus 20, verse 8 through 10. Remember. Now, what is the very first word of the commandment when it comes to keeping the Sabbath, ladies and gentlemen? Remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do what? 
no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and what? Hollowed it. Here we begin to understand something about Sabbath keeping. Number, principle number one is that when it comes to the Sabbath, this is the Lord's day, not my day. This is whose days, ladies and gentlemen? The Lord's day. So right now we are on the Lord's day. Number two principle, God wants us not to work. He wants us to avoid that secular work that we do through the entire week. And he says, on this special day, this 24-hour period, I don't want you to go to your employment, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason why God wants to bless those who are not keeping the Sabbath as well. That's one of his intentions. And God is wanting to take that time and he is wanting to spend that incredible time with you, ladies and gentlemen, with you. The Sabbath. When does the Sabbath begin? Well, Leviticus 23 verse 32 is talking about all Sabbaths in the scripture. And this is what the Bible says. From evening to what? Evening you shall celebrate the Sabbath. The Bible teaches that the Sabbath begins Friday sundown and it goes all the way to Saturday sundown. This 24-hour period that God has marked off and he has placed his boundaries, he says this is a day of celebration. Can you say amen to that? God is giving this special day. Now take your Bible, let's go to Isaiah 58 verse 13. We're going to begin to understand some principles about Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping. And then we'll get into some particulars. Isaiah 58, verse 13. Page 715. Are we all there, church family? Now watch what the Bible says right here. Isaiah 58, verse 13. Page 715. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my what? Holy day and call the Sabbath a what? Delight. The holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Pay attention to the principles of Sabbath keeping right here. God is saying, look, if you make this day about me, he says, and you don't do your own pleasure, your own words, or your own plans, if you make this day about me, you will delight yourself in me. Can you say amen to that? God wants us to understand the principle of Sabbath keeping is it's not about our pleasure, it's about God's pleasure. Can you say amen to that? It's not just about our words, it's about God's word. Not our plans, but about whose plans, ladies and gentlemen? God's plan. Now, I'm going to help you guys understand this with a little bit of an illustration. So I'm going to invite Pastor Scott and Sherry to come to the front right now. Do we all love Pastor Scott and Sherry? Amen. So that's why I get to embarrass them. Okay. All right, Pastor Scott, you can turn around and face your lovely wife. Sherry, you guys can even hold hands if you want. It's okay, you're married. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now let me ask you a question. Is it very apparent that Pastor Scott loves Sherry? Did you guys know that Sherry's birthday is on Thursday? 
You didn't know that because it's actually not on Thursday. I'm using it hypothetically, okay? So Thursday is Sherry's birthday, okay? For the sake of the illustration. Now, there are about four or five things Sherry loves to do. Sherry loves on her birthday to go hiking. She absolutely loves going hiking. She loves to have a picnic out in the middle of the woods. She loves having sandwiches. Loves having sandwiches. And uh, she loves to have a little fire there and just to spend the evening in the tent and camp. Um, You get my point. So, ladies and gentlemen, we understand something about Sherry. And Sherry, this is the way Sherry has grown up, and this is what Scott knows about Sherry. That these are the things Sherry loves to do. And so Scott one day, Scott one day decides that he is going to bless Sherry. He's going to make her birthday about Sherry. Can you say amen to that? And so you can imagine all the plans that Scott is preparing for, for Sherry's birthday. Because it's about Sherry on her birthday. Can you say amen to that? And so you can imagine all the things that are coming up in Pastor Scott's mind about how he can make this day not about him, but about Sherry. And we all know what Sherry likes. Can you say amen to that? Well, let's find out what Scott is planning to do. So Scott tells Sherry on the morning of her birthday, he says, I have been planning for something big. This is your special day. This is all going to be about you. This is what I have been planning to do on your special day. Sherry, they've decided to replay the Super Bowl. The 49ers should have won, and we got tickets. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, now let me ask you a simple question. Do you think Sherry's going to be so excited about that? She's going to be like, oh my goodness, I have been waiting for this. Do you think she's going to want to sit around a bunch of loud people eating nachos on her birthday? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, don't miss the point. If this day is about God's day, if this day is about God, then we should be seeking the things that God wants to do. Can you say amen to that? I hear a lot of people when it comes to the planning of the Sabbath say, I'm so excited about this, I'm going to be doing this, and God is not even a part of their planning. Ladies and gentlemen, this is about God's day. It's not about my day. Can you say amen to that? So we're beginning to understand some simple things when it comes to the Sabbath. Number one, this is the Lord's day. It's not my day. Amen? Number two, this is supposed to be about what God wants, His pleasure, the things that make God happy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a good look at some interesting particulars. We're going to find out about Jesus, how He kept the Sabbath holy. How He kept the Sabbath holy. We learn from John chapter 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment, and what? Abide in His love. So we're going to find out what a Sabbath day looks like in the life of Christ. And the reason why I want you to understand this is because when we see how Jesus kept the Sabbath, we begin to see the beauty of the Sabbath. And by the way, let me add this interesting note that the controversy in the New Testament regarding the Sabbath wasn't whether or not the Sabbath should be kept. It was how it should be kept. 
I want to say that one more time. The Sabbath controversy in the New Testament wasn't about whether or not the Sabbath should be kept. It was about how the Sabbath should be kept. And yesterday we learned that Jesus kept the Sabbath, the disciples kept the Sabbath, and the disciples of the disciples kept the Sabbath. They were still practicing the Sabbath up to 300 years after the time of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, history reveals that the Sabbath commandment was being practiced by the early church. Well, let's understand something. Let's go to the life of Christ. Let's see how Jesus kept the Sabbath. When you take a good look at Scripture, you find that Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue or the Jewish church at that time on the what? Sabbath day and stood up to read. A few things to note. The word custom is very important. In other words, the Bible is teaching us about the habits of Jesus. When you take a good look at the New Testament and through the Gospels, you will find that it is only one thing that is mentioned as the custom of Jesus. Do you want to know what it is? Going to church every Sabbath. There is no other custom of Jesus mentioned any other where in the New Testament. Specifically, when it comes to church, the Bible's making it very clear there's one thing that Jesus practiced more and more about this on the Sabbath more than anything else. It was to go to church. Can you say amen to that? Well, Jesus just didn't go to church. Well, what did he do when he went to church? Let's find out what the Bible says. So, he, can you go back? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the what? Sabbath day and stood up to what? Read. Jesus didn't just go to church, he participated in church. And church is a people. Can you say amen to that? What God desires for you to do on the Sabbath is not just to go to church every Sabbath, but to participate in what's taking place. Jesus was somebody who whenever he saw an opportunity to help during the worship service would. Just like little Tristan. He'd walk up there and he would read from the scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has need of you every single Sabbath. There is a place for you to be involved every single Sabbath. Can you say amen to that? You might be somebody who Pastor Ted one day will just come upon you and he says, Anel has not shown up today, I'm going to need you to preach. You never know when you may be called to preach. In fact, that's never happened to me personally, but it happened to my theology professor. When I was going to school, I had scheduled myself so many different places to speak that one time I double booked myself and I didn't realize it. Well, my theology professor actually showed up at that church that I didn't show up at. And they came up to him and they said, we don't know where Pastor Arnell is at. And my professor said... That's one of my students. And when I found out, I was so embarrassed. But my professor went up there and he preached a sermon. He just got up there and he says, all right, I'm going to preach. And he preached his heart out and God really blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a need for you every single Sabbath. Can you say amen to that? You may be called to give a sermon. You may be called to just to say a prayer on behalf of God's people. You may be called to read a scripture verse, to sing every single Sabbath. God has a need for you. You may be called to be a waiter or a waitress at potluck time. You may be called to simply take out the trash after potluck time. Ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus has need of you, do it. Can you say amen to that? God does not intend for people to be pew warmers in his church. Can you say amen to that? I imagine that the synagogues 
During Jesus' time, they didn't have padding over the pews. They simply sat on the floor. And the reason why was to probably keep them active when they needed to be active. But here we begin to understand something. Sabbath morning, Jesus gets up, he goes to church, he participates in the church service. In fact, what's very interesting, you find the word custom in one other place. The Bible describes in the book of Acts, Paul had a custom just like Jesus. Look what the Bible says. Then Paul, as his what? Custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul loved giving Bible studies on the Sabbath. And that, what the Bible says, was his custom. Just like Jesus' custom was to go to church, Paul's custom was to make sure he was in church because God had a reason for him to be there. Can you say amen to that? Number two, on the Sabbath, Jesus ate with people to encourage. Jesus ate with people to encourage them. Thank you. On the Sabbath, Jesus ate with his people to encourage them. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. After church service, watch what Jesus does. And it came to pass, Jesus went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread when? On the Sabbath day. You know what Jesus did? He would constantly, over and over again, go to lunch whenever the opportunity was there. And Jesus took that time of fellowship. So what am I saying, ladies and gentlemen? Fellowship on the Sabbath is very, very important. Can you say amen to that? In fact, when you read the Old Testament, many of the feast days took place on the Sabbath. And the reason why is because God wanted to take food and equate it with the, the, the symbols of salvation. In fact, in the Old Testament, this, the feeling of or the satisfaction of eating good food was equated to the feeling of salvation. A satisfaction. Now, this wasn't about being stuffed on the Sabbath, but it was just this, ah, oh, I just ate a delicious meal. God was connecting that to salvation and the symbols of redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever it came to the Sabbath, Jesus took an opportunity to eat with people. Can you say amen to that? And he would use that time to fellowship. Thank you so much. And so Jesus oftentimes would be sitting at the table, the dinner table, and he would take this opportunity to really encourage people. So what am I saying about the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a special day to eat with people. You're like, what? Absolutely. In fact, over and over again, worship and eating are put together throughout the scriptures. God considers eating a special act of time to come together. In fact, let me just tell you something. Food tastes better when you're around other people. Have you ever eaten a burrito by yourself? It doesn't taste good. But when you're around people who you just love to be around with, the food tastes extra better. Amen? In fact, the Bible says, better, better is a dinner with herbs where there is no strife. Ladies and gentlemen, in other words, the Bible is saying it's better just to eat simple food with people than to live and be in a house full of people where there's strife and there's a lot of food. Food tastes better when you're around other people. Jesus oftentimes would use the lunch time, the potluck time, the time where he was talking with people at the dinner table to connect with them spiritually. Now here are some things to remember when it comes to being a part of what Jesus is doing. There are just a few different rules when you're eating with people, how to be like Jesus at the dinner table. 
Number one, I love one of my favorite authors. She's, she's one of the most brilliant women. She wrote several books. She wrote this book about the home, and this is what she said. The mealtime should be the happiest time of the day. Now, that's a shocker for some people because people take the mealtime to unload everything bad that happened. But mealtime should be the happiest time of the day. It's not a time to gossip or talk about how bad the music was or the sermon was or what so-and-so is doing or what Pastor Scott's doing that's crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to use the mealtime to be a very special time with each other. Can you say amen to that? Number two. So number one, we understand that mealtimes are to be the happiest times of the day. Number two. We are to be mindful of the people around us. You know, one day Jesus was at a feast and a woman came and washed his feet. Nobody else took notice, but Jesus took notice. Ladies and gentlemen, when we're around the table, I've seen this over and over again. People are unmindful of those who are less spiritually knowledgeable than they. So they'll bring up topics and controversies that other individuals who don't know a thing about Christianity are hearing and in their mind is being as a new picture forming about Christianity and oftentimes it's the wrong picture and why? Because they're hearing other Christians either gossip or say something negative. Ladies and gentlemen, mealtime should be the happiest time. Number two, mealtime should be a time where you're mindful of every person around you. And number three, mealtime should be a time where you are actually intentionally encouraging people. You know, last week, I was invited to some people's house. Wonderful group. They're future church members here. And I was sitting at their table, and they, they brought some people over as well. And it was just a wonderful time. But what I saw take place at this mealtime was awesome. They turned that breakfast table into an evangelistic series platform. And they used that time to actually reach out to a particular person. And as I watched, I marveled. I said, Lord, this is what mealtime should be all about. Can you say amen to that? So number one, we understand that mealtimes should be the most happiest time. Number two, they should be a time where you are mindful of everybody else. Number three, they should be a time where you're actually intentionally encouraging others. And number four, don't forget this point. If you talk more than five minutes, you're talking too much. Some of the people who generally talk more than five minutes are like, I don't agree with that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's to be a dinner conversation. You read over and over again, Jesus asked questions. He invited responses. You should have a time where you're not just talking over and over again because sooner or later that person's going to be like, okay, it's time for me to go. Use the meal time to connect with people. Let's continue. Let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. Watch what else Jesus did and what the principle of the Sabbath. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. And should not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? So number one, Jesus used the Sabbath to go to church. Number two, Jesus used the Sabbath to spend time in fellowship. And number three, Jesus used the Sabbath to bring healing and comfort to people. Can you say amen to that? Number three, Jesus on the Sabbath enjoyed nature. What do I mean by that? Take a good look at Matthew 12, verse 1. And at that time, Jesus went through the what? The grain fields on the what? The Sabbath. Jesus would use the Sabbath day as a time to reconnect with the God of all creation. And he would spend that time in fellowship with people, but out in nature, away from all the things in this world. 
Can you imagine that, ladies and gentlemen? God has actually given us a special day where we can get away from the secular things of the world that just irritate us, that burden us, and we can get out into nature. And I want to challenge you, if you have kids, learn to take your kids out in nature on the Sabbath day, and they will grow up to love the Sabbath day. Amen? In fact, look what Acts chapter 16, verse 13 says. This is Paul's experience. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the what? Riverside. This isn't talking about the city, although there's a lot of Sabbath keepers over there. Paul actually went out by nature on the Sabbath. Why did he do that? Where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Paul, on the Sabbath, would go out into nature, and he would enjoy all the things in nature. And there was a beautiful river. The Bible teaches there was this river, and Paul went out there to enjoy nature. Ladies and gentlemen, when you actually spend so much time in the city, and you never get out into nature, you begin to feel very, very burdened. And when you get out into nature, and you see the beautiful green and the brown, and you see all that is natural out there, all of a sudden, there is this peace that begins to come upon you and this irritation that comes from being in the city begins to dissipate. Ladies and gentlemen, I really want to challenge you when it comes to the Sabbath, make time for nature. Number four, Jesus used the Sabbath for outreach. Jesus used the Sabbath for outreach. Jesus oftentimes would go out and heal people intentionally seeking them out on the Sabbath. Matthew 12, verse 12. How much better is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do what? Well on the Sabbath days. The purpose of the Sabbath is to bring healing to people. Can you say amen to that? And God would oftentimes use it to help people know more and more about God. We always have special times of outreach on Sabbath. In fact, this Sabbath, actually, we're going to do something different. There's going to be an outing out by the riverside, Fox Grove. But generally, we do Sabbaths where we do outreach. Go out to the old folks' home and do some singing or passing out some literature or doing something where we can bless our fellow brothers and sisters. Amen? So we understand so many things about the Sabbath, some principles about the Sabbath that help us guide about how to keep our Sabbath, ladies and gentlemen. And in this world of stress, in this world of irritation, in this world of confusion and conflict, God is calling his people back to the law. The Bible says in Proverbs, happy is he who keeps the law. And if you're not experiencing happiness through the law of God, ladies and gentlemen, I really want to challenge you that you would search your heart, ask the Spirit of God to search your heart, and to show you where you can make improvements in your walk with God. And I promise you, you will reap the rewards of fearing the commandment, as it says. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living at very special times. Very special times where the devil is trying to make the law of God disappear. He does not like the law of God or he brings his own version of what the law of God is. But we need to go back to the word of God. And in the word of God, we find the rules of life, ladies and gentlemen, the rules of life. King Jesus, the king of kings, is calling for every one of his people to follow after him, to keep the commandments. He promises that he will send the Holy Spirit He will bless you in remarkable ways as you're keeping the seventh day holy. Just like the other commandments, ladies and gentlemen, God is calling you to be faithful. I really want to challenge you today. I really want to challenge you that today you'll make a decision. 
You'll make a decision to be faithful to the commandments of God. That you will make a decision to begin to understand more and more about the Sabbath. That you will keep the Sabbath, not as what you, as you want to keep, but the way that God wants you to keep it. Amen? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. And if you're somebody who's not experiencing those blessings, God is calling you today to follow after Him. And you will begin to reap the blessings. Perhaps you've never known about the Sabbath commandment, and now you're learning about it, and you want to say, God, I want to be faithful to you. Praise the Lord. Perhaps you're somebody today who is saying, God, I just learned about the Sabbath commandment yesterday. I want to be faithful to you. God will bless you. Or perhaps you're somebody who has already known about the Sabbath. Today, God is calling you to be faithful. Search your hearts, ladies and gentlemen. He's calling for each and every one of us to receive the rest that is found in Him. Amen? How many people by the raising of their hands says, Lord, I want to be faithful to you. I want to keep the seventh day holy just as you've commanded us. God will bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for today and for blessing us. Lord, we praise you that even with technical systems fail, God, your word still has power. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us and that you would help us to be faithful. Lord, we can't have this faithfulness on our own, but you can put it in our hearts. God, that we would reverence you. And the fear of God would be in our heart, Lord, and to bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. God, thank you so much for this beautiful day you've given us where we can spend it with you and enjoy you, Lord. Bring us back again tonight, Lord, safely and bless us as we begin to learn more and more about you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.